Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Phil's Recap and Review. This is for True Detective Season 3, Episode 3. Now, this was an excellent episode of True Detective for a great season so far. We're only three episodes in, but we're almost to the halfway point of this season, only being eight episodes. And I kind of like that. As much as I want as many episodes as humanly possible for True Detective this season, because I'm feeling it. Like, I'm really feeling it. Everything that I was not feeling about season two of True Detective, I'm feeling about this one. It feels genuine. It feels like a story that has some stakes. Is it as confusing and as mentally uh, taxing as season one was to me? No. Is it going to ever have that special place, like, you know, the first person that touches you in that dirty way? True Detective touched me in a dirty television way in that first season. It might never bite me that exact same way. That doesn't mean I can't look at these seasons and judge them individually amongst themselves. In three, season three, three episodes in, might not be for everybody. I think that's my word of the lifetime. But for me, I'm completely feeling it three episodes in. I think the show has its balls back. I think the show has its interest level back. And I think I'm, I'm bit. I'm bit by the vampire HBO there. They've infected my blood again, and I am so fucking excited to see where this season ends. Is it dark? Is it twisted? Yes, it's dark and twisted. It's true fucking detective. But they're doing it well again. I, it, it shows me that maybe HBO or maybe the true detective team or whatever, they rushed that season two out because it came almost a year a little, a little bit more than a year, a little less than a year away from season one. Now they've waited four years to put this season out. So you know they're not doing it unless they want to. So we're going to break down this episode a little bit tonight. I was a little bit more than drunk watching last night's episode, so I didn't take good notes. So I'm going by the Rolling Stone review and recap of last night's episode. So I'm not going by my own review. Or my own recap. So why the hell are you even listening to me? You're like, listen, asshole. We can look up the Rolling Stone article ourselves. We don't have to hear you bitch about it. But I'll try to give some commentary. <laughs> so I said this earlier in a podcast I did last week. But if you liked True Detective Season 1 and you hated Season 2 or you weren't feeling Season 2 and never quite finished it or was a little got a little snuff on your up, I guess, about Season 2, which I was. I was my snuff was all twisted up in my upagus and I could not deal with season two I shut off season two halfway through that shit never even finished it because I'm like I cannot finish this crap season one again grabs you by that testicle that television testicle and squeeze it season three I mean really grabs you by that television testicle and and, and applies the pressure and I'm feeling it a great deal. The main actor of this season, I all, I'm blanking on his name, but people might know him from Luke Cage playing playing the main main villain in part of season one without getting too far, far into that. Also, he was on House of Cards playing the character of Remy. He's been in a ton of shit, but this team seems to me at least three episodes in almost like his acting coming out party because I always felt like he was good in what he did. Uh, I think uh, I think his character on Luke Cage, who I'm blanking on the name right now, I can't I can't quite think about it right now. But I think showed a lot of different different sides to him as well. But I think in this season right here, three episodes in, this is the most this is the best acting I've seen him do. It reminds me of <laughs> I just suddenly got filled with the thought of Team America World Police. He's the greatest actor I've ever seen in my life. Do some acting. 
But there's just something excellent and vital about this performance of this season, playing himself, playing this character in three different time periods, and it's all engaging. We also have Steven Dorff making an appearance. I didn't quite place him in the first two episodes, but seeing him back here in season two, seeing him on the, in the 1990s season two stage, I'm, I was like, oh shit, it's Steven fucking Dorff. Whoa, there he is. And I don't know. I'm in general absolutely feeling this season. And yeah, if, if you, ha as I said, if you jumped off the True Detective train, choo-choo, there's plenty of room back on here. I'm here for a surprise this afternoon. I wanted to come on last night, but again, I was way too drunk last night. It was basically we've had a fake snowstorm, but now it's like negative 5,000 degrees here in Boston area. And last night to combat combination of weather, football, stress, and other sorts of stresses, I just drank like an asshole at home because I'm like, I'm not going out. And I'm doing a podcast late night. Yeah, right. So I tried that. I tried it at like 1.30 in the morning. I'm like, oh, I'm going to come down here and podcast. Mm -hmm. Here I go. Hi, everybody. You know, like I almost wish I started to record that, but instead I sat here and I wrote a Game of Thrones uh a Game of Thrones song, a uh, a song to 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 help me get from here to the beginning of the new season. I'm not only going to be talking about True Detective today. We're going to do a bit of a little recap, quick review of my thoughts on True Detective this season. But then I'm also going to be talking a little bit about some other shows and just having a little bit of a freeform discussion here. So if anyone has any questions or comments they want to jump on in, I'll give so sort of immediate thoughts. I haven't watched the whole season, but immediate thoughts on this season of Punisher. And I also want to talk about the STD premiere that we had on Sun on Thursday evening. We had the first episode of season two of STD. That's right. I'm getting a uh, Star Trek transmitted disease on you tonight. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit as well. So let me let me pop into the live. But I'm not alone. Of course, I'm not alone. Whenever I come out here, I'm lucky enough to have with me some of the best, some of the beautiful, some of the greatest folks in the fucking planet, the live mother fucking chat the live motherfucking chat is in the house today ali thank you thank you hey we got jordy i love jordy jedi that's probably i often comment about this but screen names jordy jordy the jedi and i'm gonna add him jordy the even though there's no the in the name is still amazing we got D in the live motherfucking chat. I love the writing and the nuance of the conversation. It seems so real. Is that, I, I hate saying that because I don't think I don't think if we ever saw realness on television of like real life, it would be boring as fuck all. But whatever we see on True Detective season three coming so far is a is everything seems like it's needed. Every piece of dialogue builds the builds the wall that's going to be shattered down by the end of these eight episodes. And I like it. I like it a lot. I'm going to say that a lot. I'm going to say I like this a lot, a great deal in the next little bit that I'm talking about this episode. Because I don't want to talk too much details and make too many assumptions about what's going to happen on this series because I know no matter what happens, I'm going to be a little goosed at the end. I'm not talking goose from Top Gun. Great balls of fire! I'm not talking about that kind of goose. I'm talking about goose, like grab me by the testicles and squeeze. I think there's going to be some element of that in this season. 
and it's going to come out of left field, and the real surprises are going to happen in the 70-year-old character stage. And that's what's cool about this. I think in the last episode, in part three, we've we've established that all three storylines are going to be interesting and have things that I'm going to care about. At first, that middle storyline, I wasn't feeling as much, but with the conclusion of that, with Dorf showing up and putting together the wire there... <laughs> The Wire Task Force and jo- having him join on in his crew, that leads me to be even more interested in that storyline. I'm most interested in the old man storyline because I think that's where our mystery is going to come into play. And then we're mixed with that with someone losing their mind, which is really depressing. But the show manages not. This is where I'm going to say I think I like so far three episodes in season one a little bit better. But I would say season three has a little bit more fun to it. I'm not going to say fun as in, oh, a story about two kids being missing and one being murdered is fun. I'm just mean there seems to be a little bit more of a dynamic of humor or or snappiness to it all, where in season one is one of those shows that season one of True Detective, I would recommend making sure you've slept for two or three days leading up to watch it so you don't even for a second pass out or miss anything. I think True Detective Season 3 is a little different in the sense that it has a little bit more of a bounce to it. Part of that's from Stephen Dorff's character in the past or even in the future when they have him. He's He's got a cool energy about him. And I think also the actress that they have playing the wife has a good dynamic to her and she has excellent chemistry with Mr. Ali. And they have they create a little bit more care and a little bit more of a foundation in what they're saying, even beyond what we're seeing on screen. I cannot say enough awesome things about this showrunner who is working at it. I don't have his name. It's He has some some uh, stereotypical Italian name. It's like Pazazzo or something like that. But whoever this guy is that's worked on Breaking Bad or worked on Better Call Saul, I believe, and has had some elements of connection with the Ozark cast too, there, you can feel that same level of quality to this season that I feel in Better Call Saul. Do I think it's like Better Call Saul? No. Do I think it's has anything to do with that? Absolutely fucking not. Or Ozark as well. All it has to do with those shows is the same quality level. And I can say, I'm going to say this a billion fucking times until my head explodes inside of a of a uh, of a little ball of poop. The show is up on a higher quality level than it was in season two. And it's back to that season one quality level. Even if you're feeling it or not feeling it, it's it's got the checks and balances shit going all over the place. We got the Jordy the Jordi Jordy Jedi. Jordi Jedi. We got Dwarf Burger Swamp Beard in the live chat. Orville is Trek, not STD. In season one, first of all, that's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Orville's Trek in Star Trek isn't Trek. Orville feels like you're watching the Star Trek The Next Generation episode. It feels like you're watching that era of Star Trek. I might 95% of the time like Orville a little bit better, but if people, of course, especially you, Dwarf Burger Swampbeard, you freaking moron. No, I'm kidding. I, I love you, Devin. Devin's one of my friends in real life, so I'm, I, I'm a little harder on him than normal, normal people. But I got to say that Star Trek discovery in season one was a very uneven season at times it felt like a different kind of version or interpretation of star trek but just from the title it's star trek it is star trek by fucking definition but whatever we can get into talking about that a little bit later 
I accept that some people don't feel Discovery. I know some people that don't feel Orville for similar reasons. They find it cloying and pedestrian. I've heard those exact words described, used to describe uh, the Orville. I personally love both shows. There's enough in each show that I really can glob onto. Discovery, I feel like, found its legs when we went to the Bizarro world last season. At that moment when we shifted over to see the parallel universe, I think it started to encompass a feel of Star Trek a little bit again. But I think for the most part, season one of STD gave you a feeling that it didn't quite understand. The show creators didn't understand what made people love Star Trek. I think that's a better way of saying that it's not Star Trek because it is Star Trek. It could be Star Trek you hate, like Enterprise. I fucking hate Enterprise. For me, Enterprise is the worst, the bottom of the barrel. Worse than Discovery, worse than the J.J. movies. Enterprise is a colossal pile of dog shit. And I love Scott Bakula, and I have a huge crush on T-Paul. And I like uh, Trig or whatever his name is. And I like Flocks, too. I like some of the characters. I think there's just no chemistry. The storylines suck. It got all right into season four or whatever it was, but still it was too little too, too late. I think Enterprise is a colossal pile of dog shit. All of that being said, just to throw a couple of key points up here for our discussions today. The first episode of STD Season 2 is the best episode of all time of it. It's the first episode to to uh, encompass kind of what I think the Dwork Burger is saying over there in the live chat. That it feels, feels like Star Trek. To have Captain Pine come on in and honestly shift the show just with his dialogue and with how he set everything up. Set up this first episode of Discovery in a different tone to the entire last season. It might have gone too far for you in season one and you might never be able to come back. And amen, CBS All Access is a colossal douchebag move by CBS and it makes me not want to watch it either. But whatever. I'm 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 drinking the Kool-Aid and accepting the fact that I'm being that I'm being shaken down by CBS. It's all right. I'm being shaken down. I accept it. It sucks. It's stupid. Steal the fucking show. If you want to watch it, steal it. Pirate the shit out of that. Make CBS eat a, eat a fucking colossal television ass, okay? Do that. Same with Picard and the new animated series when it comes out and the Section 31 series. When all those series come out, steal them. Do not buy CBS All Access. I'm telling you. That being said, the first episode of Discovery is the best episode. It's the first one that feels like Star Trek in the sense of the original series and celebrating it. You see the uniforms from the original series. You see the Enterprise, spoiler alert. You're on the Enterprise for a second. You talk to Captain Pine, who gives you all sorts of feelings. So I guess the message of the day here is Star Trek Discovery feels like it's Star Trek again. True Detective Season 3 feels like it's fucking True Detective again. I feel so much energy and goofiness. This is what happens when I don't eat sandwiches before a show. Let me go. In the ch- I'm, I'm way behind in the live chat. I want to catch up with you motherfuckers. So let me check this out. Surprise, like the writing, Jordy the Jedi. The three time bands are done really great. I see Fury, one of our amazing, wonderful patrons. Lots of love to Icy Fury in the live chat. Icy Fury is absolutely right. The three timelines are done really well. And now I'm going back to talking about True Detective here done extremely well and each one of them makes you care about it which in some cases when shows do timeline shifts like this some are some are throwaways and i think on true detective season three so far each timeline has made itself more and more interesting especially last night with the 90s one 
where I wasn't necessarily feeling that 100% in episode one and two. In this episode, it made me give a fuck about that too. I haven't seen last night's episode yet, but I'm loving this show. We got Bubba in the live chat. Bubba in the live chat. What really trips me out is the detectives aren't using gloves. That's weird to watch, dropping cigarettes all over the place. There's a couple of moments like that where the DNA, where he's touching stuff here and there. It's, I feel like unless you're The Wire, television shows don't care about that sort of shit. I think The Wire is the only show that I think cares almost 24-7 about, about accuracy with stuff like that. I think every other procedural uh, detective or cop show that's used is is futzed with to a certain extent, even if they worry so much about other points and other protective avenues of making something accurate. I think unless you're the wire, you don't care about it all. You don't care about it to a certain standpoint. Loved you 20 years ago in play. <laughs> oh my goodness. Vodka shots. Are we taking vodka shots this afternoon, Dwarfberger? If we get a super chat donation, we might. I, I, if we land on drink, I might need to take a super. I might need to take a vodka shot at at two twenty two in the afternoon on a nine degree day here in the Boston area. And no exaggeration, everybody. And I know people don't really give two flying fucks about about weather stuff. But here we go. Weather report. It's two twenty two p.m. here in Boston, Massachusetts, and about nine degrees or colder than a witch's tit. That's right, colder than a witch's tit. I see first. So this show is adding pieces of the puzzle with each new episode. I have a feeling they're going to do that. I think they're going to do that right up until the final episode when they pull pull the wool from beneath us, pull the rug from beneath our legs. And I also wanted to mention if anyone wants to call in and leave a voicemail today, you can do that at 781-990-8509. Again, that's 781-990-8509. And I am going to be putting this up as an audio cast. My last three podcasts that we've done I haven't put up as audio casts all for different reasons but all around copyright and shit and being unable to download the episodes so I need to I need to handle something I need to do a side recording which I'm doing today just recording this automatically either way I noticed my voice cracked at that point too because I'm all embarrassed I'm sorry audio casts but if anyone does listen to our audio only podcast and you're curious where's the last two episodes of Vikings where's last week's Sunday show Please make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, Fill the Issues Guy on YouTube, so you can watch live, or at least so you can catch up on the final, on the last couple of episodes, podcasts that we've done that do exist just up on the YouTube channel as of right now. So let's continue here. Oh my goodness, Orville is not, cops drinking on duty could be the norm though, Baba. Orville's not Trek, Orville is Trek, not STD. I think... Not meaning to rag on you too much, Dork. I think Orville celebrates what was great about 90s Trek. STD is attempting to go new places with it while going to the past with it. Or almost retreading modern television through Star Trek in Season 1. What I think that they've accomplished in Season 2 was to, so far anyways, is to at least feel like it understands what's great about Star Trek. And not trying to just make a flashy show with a lot of flashy lights going on and good production values. Episode one of season two feels like Trek. Let's go. Matthew and Woody and Nico are all executive producers. Oh, yes. I'm sorry about that, D. 
Uh, I've also forgot to mention this, and someone has corrected me on this before as well, and I want to mention this over and over again, so thank you, D, for that. Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson are also back in an executive producer role, producer's role, as well as the main showrunner for this series. So I don't know if that has to do with it as well, but it's worth mentioning that they were not involved in season two and they are involved in season three. So maybe they have an understanding. They have a stake in this. They don't want their series to forever be known as, oh, that was a really good single season. And I know this isn't theirs, theirs, but I think looking back, I think that first season doesn't get all the love it should get because of how poor season two was 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 taken in by fans of season one and of the show in general and of HBO in general and of television in general. And I know some people out there going, well, I like season two. I'm glad you did. I'm really glad you did. I like shows that are bad too. I really do. I, 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 I love it. <laughs> I love, I love bad shows so much that I'm going to talk about how there are elements of, of true detective last night that reminded me of bullshit that's happening on this season of Riverdale with the D and D thing that was going on where, where characters are doing D and D and that's what, Sorry, Dev. Doing D and D, playing D and D, and in uh, and on on uh, Riverdale, they're playing G and G because D and D is the Dungeons and Dragons company is like Riverdale is so stupid that we're not allowing them to use the names Dungeons and Dragons, so we have to call them call it Griffins and Gargoyles. But True Detective just straight up said, "Oh, these kids are playing Dungeons and Dragons only in a title." No. Not only in a title, in the way that we deal with the same the same uh, alien cultures are there. They may not be established in the same way. They may not look exactly the same to what we uh, have established them in previous series. But there's new interpretations of it. I hate being in a position here where I'm where I'm defending the first season of Discovery because I don't think it was perfect and I don't think it quite understood what was great about Star Trek. All in all, but the but I think it's it's. I don't think Next Generation understood what was great about what Next Generation was going to be in season one either. I think most of the Star Trek series, except for Deep Space Nine, had a really shitty first season. I think Enterprise, well, had a shitty run. I think Voyager's first season is horse shit. I think think first season of Next Generation is almost unwatchable. Almost unwatchable at times. Season two starts to be a lot better. With certain episodes in season three is when Next Generation really started to hit its mark. But, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Santovia Major in the live chat. (laughs) Enterprise was better than STD. Just kidding. (laughs) You're such a troll, Dwarfberger. You're so trolling me right now. We got to get Dwarfberger live in studio for a for a for a show so you guys can get a visual on this troll. So... Oh, big time to go back to uh, the Discovery stuff and and CBS All Access. I'm catching up with the chat right now. Huge D-bag move. No argument over me. I I highly suggest nobody buy CBS All Access. Zero. Zero people buy CBS All Access. Steal it. Someone's doing it for you and puts that shit up on on streaming and touring websites. I don't suggest it. I'm tell I'm ordering you to do it. Picard is dead. Remember, he used to, used to be Eddie. Uh, like Temp Captain Star Trek. Because they want our money. All the networks are starting their own versions of All Access, which really sucks. I agree. And it's a shame. I 
It's a shame that we live in an era now where I'm going to old man this thing, where I, I miss the days when you used to steal everything and it was all in one app. <laughs> when you could find everything on Hula and Netflix. Now it's going to get a point where it's going to be worse than cable. It's going to be worse than cable because you're going to need to get every single one of the apps and it's going to be, people are going to be going back, you know, cut the cords. They're going to be like, <laughs> when someone gets a vasectomy and they want to re turn it around and reattach there, they're going to be reattaching their cord because it's going to get more expensive to watch all these apps, to be like, I want to watch all these shows. So you have to get all the apps. It's going to be more expensive than getting fucking cable because cable prices are going to plummet because no one's going to want it because everyone's going to be canceling their cable service. So then they're going to be bringing people back. Oh God, I'm fucking fucked in the head. Skynet. It's 46 degrees, but I'm freezing. It's freezing. Weather report is ugly. <laughs> Weather report is ugly. It's going to get uglier as the night goes on. <laughs> you are at nine degrees. I'm jealous. It's six degrees here with a wind chill ad ad advisory. They said it would start in six days. Jay, we got Jay in the live chat. Let me know when he's finished with his commercials. <laughs> STD is, an, is a new tread. It's a formula. Phil is the captain. I don't have history bias, so I can so I can watch Discovery without a hiccup. Fly of the ship. I don't have history. Also, hiccups could be a heart attack. <laughs> pirates, pirates permitted. Best trek is into darkness. And I think Jay might be trolling me a little bit too here. The so-called free networks probably won't exist in a few years. I agree with that. Everything is going to be cost prohibited. Yeah, did I say that right? I did. Next, I accept that even like what Jay's saying right there, his favorite Star Trek is Star Trek Into Darkness. I know he's, I know he's not uh, trolling me. He's, he's said that for a long time here on the show. So I think what Star Trek does well is it has a little bit for everybody. I know there's some people that claim that Deep Space Nine isn't real Star Trek. So I mean, everybody, there's people that claim that every. That's why we've been playing this game for fucking ever with Star Trek. And I'm just annoyed with it. And I'm annoyed with people having to put up walls and say, Oh, because I like one kind of Star Trek. You can't like another kind of Star Trek. Except for Enterprise, that shit. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But there were people that when uh, Next Generation first came out were saying, This isn't our Trek. Nope. The only Star Trek has James T. Kirk as captain. Then when Deep Space Nine came out, people said, you got to have a spaceship to have Star Trek. Just because it's on a spaceship, space station, not Star Trek. Then when Voyager came out, people were saying, well, this is just a copy of Next Generation. This is unnecessary. All these episodes don't have shit. This isn't Star Trek. This is just the love boat in space. This isn't Trek. <laughs> and then when Enterprise came out, oh, this isn't Star Trek. This is stupid. Well, it is. This is bad. And then when the JJ movies came out, this isn't Star Trek. This is like Star Wars with Star Trek skins. I think I said that. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure I said that. And now that now that Discovery's coming out, this isn't Star Trek either. <laughs> because you don't like it. It is. It's all Trek. Isn't Axnar's Trek too? It's it's the animated series is. It's all Star Trek. You can like some better than others. Orville may feel like the most Star Trek series out there to the Star Trek that you loved. I love Orville. I think it's one of my favorite shows on television. I would put it in my top five or six shows on TV right now. Discovery would probably be a little lower than all of that. I have hopes for this second season, but I wouldn't put it as one of my favorite shows. It's a show I watched and I kind of liked. But it's more Star Trek than what Orville is because it's actually Star Trek. You can say, yeah, in name only. Okay. 
Yeah, name in the company that produces it. It's fucking Paramount, CBS. It's fucking Star Trek. Orville has a lot of people that worked on Star Trek. It may be the spiritual successor to Next Generation. That doesn't mean we can be like, ah, yep, yep, Discovery, because I don't like it. That doesn't count. No, it fucking counts. Same as Into Darkness counts. I might hate Into Darkness. I might look at Jay and be like, Jay, that movie fucking sucks. You don't get it. It sucks. But it's Star Trek to Jay. So, yeah. <laughs> there it is. I'm an asshole. Jordy's like, can we talk Star Wars, please, instead? I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I watched The Reign of Superman yesterday. I highly recommend it. Star Trek Next Generation Season 1 was rough, but it still was Trek. Is that, is that a cartoon? Yes, an animated movie. Can we talk about Star Wars instead? We can talk about Star Wars instead, too. And I want to talk about the fact that people that claim that the new pre sequel movies or prequel movies aren't Star Trek. Watch Return of the Jedi again. I know it's blasphemy to, to say this, but Star Trek, Star Wars has always been a little cheesy, a little formulaic, and it's just I think we're more used to the formula rather than rather than it's like changing the guard and everything. I think the new prequel, new sequel movies are all generally better than the prequel movies and not as good as the original series of the three movies. But again, it's all Star Wars. Star Wars has always been a little cheesy. We're coming from the company that the second Star Wars movie that ever come out was the Star Wars holiday special. Then we, we live in the same world that had the Ewoks special, that had, uh, that had all that silliness that happened, the whole Ewok adventure crap. So let's not pretend Star Wars has ever been anything but fun on your seat action cheap predictable in some ways entertainment i love st i am not one of these star trek people that's like ah star trek's for me, me, me star wars me i like both and i hate that i have to choose to be on one side i just think star wars is you never run into that where someone's like this isn't star wars it's all star wars and i think the same thing with trek it's just different definitions of what equals that anyways i'm babbling Watch the Orville get spun off to the Wilbur. <laughs> Star Wars, Star Trek, the same boat. Oh, Star Wars, the same boat. Rogue is nice. Rogue One was nice. Uh, I thought Rogue One was pretty nice. That's the one I felt like I didn't feel like I was watching a Star Wars movie. Same with Solo. I don't like either of those movies, but they're still Star Wars movies. Name not spirit, asshole. <laughs> but you know what? You know what, folks? We're going to get into this a little bit more tonight, but let's not waste any more time. I do want to get into a little bit of a speaking of Star Trek it's, let's listen to this song I'll be back in one second recap
Now, I don't want to get... I, I want to talk a little bit more about True Detective, but I do want to talk a lot, a lot uh, keep the Star Trek discussion going if we need be, if people still are hit, hinting in that direction. Dwork, do me a favor. I get a feeling like you have actually watched the first season of Discovery and you aren't just trolling. Watch episode one of season two. It's less about Burnham. They do a good job at reintroducing you to the whole crew. Like, straight up, they do almost a reboot, a soft reboot in episode one of season two. They have a new captain, a new tone, a more humor. You could tell it. I almost call it the Orville effect because the, at times in the series, it feels like they're trying to stick it in there where it doesn't belong at times. But I don't mind if they overcorrect a little bit to find that happy balance. It does feel like it's a new show. It feels more about Star Trek The Adventure than it does just directly about Burnham. I think you could, if you had just watched this episode alone, would it have been perfect? No, and you'd never seen any of season one. I recommend any Star Trek fans that have never watched season one, skip it and just start with season two, episode one, because it, it actually feels like Trek. Yeah! Oh, to answer uh, Nith Premier, what, what would I think if... If uh, Star Trek ever went into the hands of Disney, I would be fucking happy. <laughs> you know why? Because I think CBS has bobbled the ball on Star Trek in many different ways. I think CBS, what they did with the Axanar, I'm pronouncing that correctly, putting the cease and assist to all the fan-made products in the way that they've created this CBS all-access thing and kind of in almost selling off or uh, being pushers or being... Being, you know, like where a drug dealer gives you the drugs for free and then they're like, oh, no, I need to be paid. They're almost pimping out Star Trek fans. So the mouse would just be like, ha oh, ha, hey, everybody, let's hire some good people that are going to work on Star Trek and know what's it all about. Ha 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 ha. And we can build a Star Trek land. Ha 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 I'd be okay with that. I, I'd be fine with that. CBS is, is more. CBS is bobbling the ball worse than I think Disney would. All I would want is that mouse money in Disney World, or mouse money and thinking about Star Trek World. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I'm thinking about. I, I'm not sure. I think Disney has a little bit more of their hand in Star Wars. In the, I would assume in my head, the way I would imagine it would be if they purchased Star Trek, they would treat it a little bit more like Marvel and let them do their own thing, hire Star Trek people to work on it, where I think Disney, because of how universally appealing Star Trek, Star Wars is, for whatever it's worth. I am, if I had to decide between the two, I, I'd pick Star Trek. If, if, you're, if you're putting a, a, a television gun to my head and go, pick one, Star Trek. But I always loved both. But this being said, coming from a Star Trek first fan, Star Wars has way, a thousand, a billion, not even in the same avenue, universal appeal. Total universal appeal to everybody. So I think Disney is more, the mouse is more, ha ha, let me fuck you. Ha 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 Be our next thing because no one cares about Mickey, Donald, and Goofy as much anymore. Ha! You know, like whatever. They're trying to make Star Wars Disney. Like Disney is Star Wars. Marvel owns, or Disney owns Marvel, but I still feel like Marvel's their own entity. So in my imagination would be that they would buy Star Trek and let Star Trek run as their own entity. Whereas CBS is, has their finger up Star Trek's ass and going, let's make the Star Trek, Star Trek fans jump. Huh, okay. And I don't like what CBS has been doing with Star Trek. So to answer your question, I'd be actually kind of happy. <laughs> 
Oh my goodness. My father kept insisting me to watch it. I need to watch it. STD, so I purposely have avoided watching it. <laughs> if Disney got Trek, we'd get a crossover Star Trek versus Picard versus Vader. We would definitely get Picard versus... Or we'd get Kirk versus Vader. <laughs> Obi-Wan versus the Borg. <laughs> this winter, coming from Disney, Obi-Wan faces his ultimate challenge. <laughs> Luke, use use the force. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Sorry. Uh, there's something missing without Roddenberry, just like the Muppets without Henson. Uh, who would win, Enterprise D or or a Star Destroyer? Uh, I think a Star Destroyer, right? Star Destroyer ha it could is a little bit more powerful, but but that being said, Star Destroyers have more naval naval movement tactics, whereas whereas Star Trek stuff is like is like planes and shit like fighter planes going all around the place so maybe it could outmaneuver it i don't know the son of the executive producer i think wow never thought of it never i never heard, thought i'd hear mickey mouse say that we got trisha in the live motherfucking chat but okay just to swing this back a little bit before i change the subject again and anyone who's tuned in here just to listen to me talk about true detectives like oh god but if you've if you've made it this far in the podcast, welcome to Fill the Issues Guys channel. It's never about one topic. We could be talking about one thing. We'll talk about 10 other things, but I'll always try to bring things back. So to bring things back to True Detective here for a little bit. Now, True Detective this season, this episode was really, just really fun episodes of True Detective. And these first three episodes have been great as I'm trying to fight off the urge to want to talk more about Star Trek here. Uh, so let me go through. This is from, again, Rolling Stone. A quick paragraph to talk a little bit about this episode. Now, in 1980s, the detectives Wayne Hayes and Roland West discover, Roland West discover that Will and Julie uh, Purcell have spent many of their afternoons playing Dungeons and Dragons with a mysterious adult friend rather than hanging with their schoolmates. The suspect with a scar who may drive a brown car and occasionally travel with a female companion. The partners also find a photo album featuring dead boys posing on the day of his first communion in the exact same way his body was arranged after his death. That was really weird. He's like, it's the same way. It was just one of those fucked up moments that the music and way it all, it was like a huge swell. They also run they also it also runs the place. None of this stops the townsfolk from damn near lynching one of this guy, this guy that they think is the dude that committed the crime, and it's just like lynching moment. Uh, the Viet Vietnam Vietnam vet garbage collector who seems to be on the verge of snapping under the pressure of his neighbor's misguided suspicions. In nineteen ninety in nineteen ninety, Wayne, as we're jumping through times, this is set in three different time periods. Wayne is buckling under the stress of his own with family of the mystery man wrongfully convicted for the crimes, the trash man, we presume, but we don't know anything yet. We don't know for sure anything yet. And I'm wondering if this is going to be where something we discover something, then we find out it's different after the fact, or if this is all a big, uh, big television edging. They're, they're edging our orgasm of TV here. What am I doing with my hands? They're, they're edging our television enjoyment here for one big television orgasm at the end of the season. I like TV shows that do multiple things, mul do different things. Some shows work where you have the several little orgasms through the season. I think the Netflix series, Daredevil season three and season one has has very much done that and is a there's a couple of other shows. Game of Thrones will 
is obviously does that. Almost every episode is a little mini orgasm if it's done right. But even within that, they have several points that in each season, some shows like Westworld season one had some moments that broke shit down, but it was really about that final orgasm of TV that you were going to have. And I think in True Detective was as well, season one. I'm wondering what the tactic here is. They only have eight episodes, not only have. The story's being stories being told in eight episodes. I'm glad that they didn't feel like they needed to shell this out to ten and put in unnecessary crap. So I have a feeling this is all going to be leading to that one explosion point. Sorry, the show 78. <laughs> Sorry, I got the Star Trek talk for a little bit, but here we go. We're gonna go to uh, go to True Detective for a while here. Do we know yet who 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 was sent away for the missing kids? No, we don't. We don't know Dick yet. We don't know Dick except for that the father apparently didn't do it, unless we or has nothing to do with it because we know that the father's friends. We know that there's several different times that they come together to solve this case. Or in 1990, they know that they have the wrong the wrong person, and then we know in the modern time or in 2015 that there's a documentary series like a like a who's like the Stephen Avery series from Netflix that I can't, I'm blanking on the name of it right now, or like Serial Season 1, where it's investigating was the was the case correct. And we also know a little bit more about our characters and where they're at. And people can clue me in as I'm... as some, A show like this is something that takes multiple watches to get it. I've watched the first two episodes a few times. I have not watched this episode a second time yet. True Detective Season 3 has more time jumps than The Walking Dead. It does. It remind I like that, though, because it it almost reminds me a little bit more of the way House uh, or The Haunting at Hill House did it on Netflix, where it just easily shifts into the time, time periods without a lot of fanfare on it. But it does have a shit ton of time jumps, except it actually makes sense, I would add, Corey Mitchell. To make things more complicated, there's a new Battlestar Galactica in the works. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get Joe Dirty Locks on this on this cha- on this channel. I think season one and three both have straw dolls. Wow, Stranger Things is kind of weird this season. I like that the Stranger Things creator is working on a new uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Did I hear that correctly? And there's a new Twilight Zone series coming up. Two Detective season three has more time jumps. So the cop, okay, and then we get in 1990s where the family of the mystery man wrongfully convicted for the crimes, filing a suit to have the conviction overturned and his wife, Emile, turning her own experiences working the case to a smash hit book. And this is, again, where something reminds me of Hill House a little bit. But anyways, and I like how in this time period, the, the wife has more connection to this case and she's investigating it more for the book. So he's sort of on his own and going crazy. And he picks a fight with his spouse when she returns home tipsy from a fact-finding expedition. She's been grilling the cops who uncovered the fingerprints in the scene of the drugstore robbery. And then we have this scene. The co- He freaks out in Walmart when his daughter walks out. This was one of the most tense moments of the entire episode. And it amounted to nothing. That's what they. This is why I know they have me. Because... In the middle of a fucking episode, in the middle of an episode bouncing all over the place, Corey's right. It's it's where time period bouncing. If this was The Walking Dead, I'd be I'd be eating this show's lunch because it doesn't make me care about what the hell's going on. But this show, through acting, through the marvel of acting, 
through some excellent, like truthfully, some excellent performances all around. There's not a weak link performance. Head out by, headed up by Mr. Ali, and Stephen Dorff is doing an crazy job too. Great actor that whenever he pops up and things, and to see the dynamic and the chemistry that those two actors have is equal to, in a different way, to Woody and McConaughey. I was going to say Woody and Wesley for a second here. <laughs> but but the equal to, to them in, in a different sort of way. And that creates this feeling of caring so much. The performance, the acting performance of him playing himself in three different timelines and all the way he's doing that and making me give a shit about each three timelines and not going, oh, fuck, I don't give a shit about old man him. Old man one is the one I care the most about. And his son being there and and the the host of the of the talk show like really press, pressing him and having her whole, whole agenda, it all fits and it all works. Is this going to work for everybody? No, but it's really working for me and it's hard for me to imagine if you were feeling season one that you wouldn't be feeling this too. What's cr- <laughs> They're showing us how Hayes' marriage is being consumed by the case. They're showing us how everything, great point by IC Fury, they're showing us how everything is being in his whole life is being destroyed by this case and how you could say that eventually his mind disappears and he's losing his mind but from some sort of disease but it doesn't matter that this is the case that never leaves him and i love how it starts out in the original timeline of the the 80s time 19 is it 1980s timeline over that is that when it is 1980 when the the case first starts as it's just another case for them through the procedural steps. And I don't know, it's so cool. Meanwhile, after taking both talking to both the lawyer and a now sober Tom Purcell, Roland decides to form a task force to look back into the case. This is what I meant where apparently it's not the father. We know that it's not the father doesn't have anything to do with the case. And the father, who could be a throwaway performance, I think he's doing a really good job in this performance. The drunk, fucked up father at the beginning, that is that someone that you feel for, but you also look at him and go, yeah, he's, a, he's not a good father. He's probably not a good father. Mm. Or a good dude. But you feel for him, and they make, or at least they make me feel for him. So, so Rowan decides to form a task force. Then in 2015, Wayne continues to struggle against his own misfiring synapses, which lands him at a burned out ruins of the Purcell house in the middle of the night with no memory how he got there. Really fucked up shit. The documentarian who's been interviewing him mentions the gap in the investigation that points to the existence of a rogue cop, someone who had gotten to a certain key witness first. He also begins to hallucinate that his deceased wife is rattling on about an infinite number of dimensions, past, presents, and futures, with a persistent illusion. And for some reason, what this figment of his senile dementia is saying has her husband fearing that what he left in the woods will be harder to write off years after the fact did he commit the crime somehow i don't know if they're trying to throw those that in there that he is guilty of this crime somehow i don't know but the way they follow his mind in that timeline losing his focus it reminds me to go to star trek it reminds me of the episode all good things in the final episode of star trek where picard is losing his mind that's another thing that this season of true detective reminds me of people can say you're just using this as an excuse to 
combine your two topics today. I'm not. I wrote this in uh, in my notes for last week, but I forgot to mention it. The way it's set up with the three timelines of the cop losing his mind and three or losing his mind as an old man and focusing on three different timelines reminds me a lot of the final episode of Star Trek Next Generation, All Good Things. And I don't know, it's not going to have the same kind of conclusion, but I love from a narrative standpoint, and I'm going to hate it if, when, when and if, if, not if, when it becomes me, and I'm here on this podcast, final days of this podcast, where I'm going, yeah, what, what was I talking about? And it's going to be really sad. But from a narrative standpoint of watching that, watching someone that like, knows something but they, or their mind is battling them is narratively on screen something very effective, emotionally effective for me. Especially with to go to personal stuff, the way uh, what went down in my life with my mother and watching her mind kind of going away like this. It's, to me, very effective at at portraying that. And I think... Uh, All Good Things did it extremely well, and I think so far True Detective Season 3 is doing it really well, too. Other things have done it, too, but it's the the closest parallel that popped in my mind. Series starts the day Steve McQueen died. Oh, I love how... Excellent point, Icy Fury, and I wrote that down, and I forgot to mention that last time, too. I love how the show gives you an obvious starting point because they give you that date. The father was in the AMC show... Halt slash catch. I did not see that. Awesome. Thank you for that, D. Great to see D in the live chat. I let, This is why it's good to do. I have to do more daytime podcasts. And I'm excited. I mentioned this before. I finally figured out my new work situation. And I start my new position tomorrow. Or new job. Completely new job. Completely new, new kind of field situation. Uh, tomorrow morning. So I'm going to finally get into some sort of schedule after training and can start to get into doing more daytime podcasts again on days off or at least have a schedule to know when I'm fucking doing shit and not all sort of, ah, I can't do a podcast during the day. I got to find a job. (laughs) So now I can finally sort of chill and relax a little bit and just get into my rhythm and break into the studio as we're downhill leading to almost there for the final season of Game of Thrones. And we're going to be talking all about True Detective this season. Also, a lot more fun stuff. The Walking Dead will be back soon as well. And we got the final two episodes of Vikings coming on. So if you are checking this out for the first time, make sure you subscribe and suggest some stuff. We also have some requests coming up soon too and lots more fun stuff. Okay, back to this shit. So back in 2015, Wayne continues to struggle. The documentarian who's been interviewing him mentions the gaps in the investigation that point to the existence of a rogue, cop, a rogue cop, someone who got to certain key witnesses. He also begins to hallucinate that his dead wife, for some reason, what this figment of a senile dementia is saying, has her husband fearing that what he left in the woods will be a bit harder to write off years after the fact. Now, it isn't, this is what... Then there's an interference from authorities in this case with the local prosecutor's office, which keep mudding up the waters by releasing information or agreeing to offer a reward for information funded by the Chicken chicken Magistrate in-house charity foundation. If Captain Cregeen stepped in and told Wayne and Roland to check out the Chicken Man. That's wait. The, ch- the Chicken Man? Wait. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to go uh, pick up a picture of uh, Gus Fring right there. 
The additional time kinds don't seem to complicate things much either. Yes, we're left to wonder exactly how Emilian died and how Wayne fell out with his daughter, who was framed for the prosecutors for killing or kidnapping, or how Roland got shot. But you, but you got to put a lot of detective work in yourself to come up with a spin. But anyways, so the real difference now is the dialogue and performance. Okay, so now the rest of this article is just someone's someone's opinion of the episode, which I can talk about myself. The dialogue in this episode was spot on and really top notch. And that that's what elevates the show. That's what elevates what's going on. It isn't always the storyline of the plot or keeping me invested in what's going to be happening from week to week and from moment to moment in the big mystery. In some shows... The mystery is important, but also the journey is important. I think the mystery becomes more important when a show is less fun for you week to week in watching the episodes, or it's more of a more of a slog because you're like, I have to tune in every week to find out what's on. Where I feel like True Detective Season 3 so far has a little bit of that Better Call Saulness to it, where I am just loving watching what's happening on screen. And I feel the same way about Season 1 of the, of the series. I cared about I care about the outcome. I want to know what happens. I'm invested to find out what happens. But am I if the ending is not what I want it to be, am I going to be like, ah fuck, this whole thing sucks? No. This isn't this isn't a show like Lost or a show there's a lot of shows like this where you become so invested in the stuff and the show isn't even good anymore, but you're like, I have to finish this and I'm invested. I think I know how this is gonna finish. I wanna see how this concludes. And if it doesn't hit you, it surprises you, it gets stupid, you're like, ah, fuck this show. Fuck it all together. I'm never going to watch this shit again. It's not worth it. I don't think True Detective Season 3 is going to be like that. I think we know where, I think we can, things are confusing because it, the way it's set up and the way it's edited together at times. But I think, reasonably speaking, people that watch these long these HBO series, longtime HBO viewers can break apart what's happening right now in the series. We know what mysteries are set up, what we need to find out. Could they throw some major curveballs along the way this season? Yes. And do I think they might? Of course. But I think they're setting us up in a good place of filling us up with the information and making us... It's almost like a linear story. Is this going to be... I'm not saying it's completely linear, but like a linear video game story that takes you on amazing twists and turns. I don't need to necessarily have that choice of freedom or the feeling like I think it could go crazy in any fucking direction. That's good when it works like that, but watching a tight narrative that knows what it's doing and stays true to it, I think can be just as effective. Not everything has to be Westworld, you know? Not everything has to create mystery after mystery after mystery. I think True Detective is not that. And in its essence, it's a procedural, like a wire with a little bit more magic to it <laughs> from just the detective standpoint. But I think when I say The Wire, it's not I people are like, it's nothing like The Wire, Phil. I know it's nothing like The Wire because they're completely made by different artists. But what I mean by that is that Celebrate some of the procedural aspects of it in a way that isn't as formulaically lame as the Law and Orders. I'm not saying people that like Law and Orders are lame. I'm just saying in the sense of I watch certain cookie cutter kind of shows too. For me, procedural stuff needs to be a little deeper for me to get into it. That's why I don't. I, I burnt myself out on Law & Order in the original run. I didn't need Law & Order 75 different versions of it in every different city and every different department. Law & Order, 
uh, water and sewage edition. I, I didn't need the Law & Order WS. I didn't need it to go that far. I was fine when we had Don't Leave Baby in a Corner. We had, we had Baby's Dad, and we had Miss, we had the guy from Flash. <laughs> we, we, we had Joe from Flash, and we had uh, the lawyers and stuff. Whatever. I, that was enough for me. But I think what shows like The Wire and True Detective do is they take that procedural procedural thing and they 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 put it they give it to you in a in a tilty way in a fun way in a in a in a new established way and I think True Detective season three and True Detective just in general all three seasons of it that's what they're doing they're trying to celebrate that and do it, their version of that so going into the next episode next episode looks like it's going to be very exciting I I was on edge seeing this next week's preview. It's, I signed up for the HBO app. <laughs> so just a comparison to talking about uh, the CBS app, app. I signed up for, just so I could watch the first two episodes to see if I was interested in it and if I would, if I would, and I'm broke, as I mentioned before, I'm just starting to work a new job. So money's been a little extra tight these days. So I, without even getting the job after watching the first two episodes, I, I signed up for, signed up for HBO. Because I knew I would need to watch the end of this series. That's the best compliment I can give it right now. It completely erases any negativity I had towards the True Detective franchise in Season 2. And it it encompasses everything that was awesome about Season 1 while being a completely unique, different kind of story. Again, that's something I guess I could compare to The Wire. But I can't wait. It's the show I'm most excited for right now, week to week. And we'll be out here pretty much every Sunday, maybe sometimes on Monday mornings or Monday afternoons to talk about this episodes of True Detective. So if anyone has any comments or questions, <laughs> you were talking, Phil, you were talking computer. <laughs> Same here, bro. <laughs> I love you guys in the live chat. Sloppy meeting in a legal investigation. <laughs> Phil getting a new job as an NFL ref. Phil, I'm living the dream, Phil. No daytime cast. I would work during the day. So many surprises in the episode, like one partner gets promoted and the other gets the shaft. And knowing how that goes and filling in those gaps or filling in those understandings, I cannot wait to get all those answers. And even the ones I don't get, I like how it creates texture in the universe to make me want to know more. Brian Dodds living the dream. I miss Lenny from Law & Order too. It's good to see Phil hyped about a show two casts in a row now. I am. I'm, I'm actually really excited about this show. It's. I'm obviously really excited about Game of Thrones, but it's hard to, to really feel that yet without seeing a new trailer. So a lot of the foundation of like my excitement of that is, is like, yeah, I'm excited, but come on. Let's see it. It's like anticipation type shit. I'm been... I'm just, I'm really feeling these first three episodes of True Detective, and I'm bummed that we only have five more. <laughs> That's going to be good. And I'm law and order from the mailroom. Phil looks, oh, thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. I'm one, as I've said many days, it's going to be one day, it's just going to hit me like a steel trap, you know? It's going to be one day I'm going to look the way I look now. The next day, I'm going to look like Willie Nelson. It's not even going to be a gradual thing. It's going to be blam. Hair will be all white. Blam, Willie Nelson. It's coming. It's coming. 
Plus, if you look closely, let me get closer so you can, so you can see. Yeah, I got the, I got the, I got the post 4 uh, for our, for our creases going on. I got the John creases all over my face. <laughs> no, I miss him too. I, I thought he was an awesome actor, obviously from, from uh, Dirty Dancing fame. Peter Griffin, Peter Griffin. I hope. <laughs> Filgerman Buttons. I can only wish, buddy. <laughs> I can only wish. So I don't know what much else I can say other than continuing to lick the labias of the television, of of licking the television labias of True Detective because I could do this all night long in Nick Cage from, <laughs> from the immortal classic Face Off. I could eat a peach for hours. I could eat a peach of True Detective for for hours and never get full deliciousness really good stuff can't wait till next week i'll be talking about this show for a while on uh, i'm glad to see it reaching that peak again so let me change the subject one more time to our final topic of the day let's play some happy music for a happy show excuse me for one second It's true, I see Fury. At one point in time, who knows? I might get, I might get chubby too. I might get Santa Clausy. At one point, the the last days of this podcast, I will probably look a lot like Master Amon, <laughs> unless we can get home. Uh, what's what will be the word? A a home version of a projector system, a projector system, a holographic projector system that I could do a podcast where to you guys I looked like I did now, but really what I looked like. Like some some Melisandre magic to do the podcast. Oh my goodness, we got the wonderful, the wonderful, the amazing AK in the live motherfucking chat. Love you, Alisa, Alicia, Alicia. I can't talk today. Okay, everybody, welcome back. <laughs> welcome back. Like, I went somewhere. Well, what am I trying to do here? Well, welcome back to the show, everybody. Excuse me while I go play a drum solo. <laughs> I do want to. Great to see all of our friends in the live motherfucking chat this afternoon. Why do I have that Amazon thing on? Take that. Oh, no. But if you're going to do any shopping on the Amazon, <laughs> make sure you start your shopping with... Uh, Amazon.com slash shop slash fill the issues guy. You don't have to buy anything on the store, but just start your shopping like that. And I get a few coins in the fountain so I can buy some uh, backup gear. And when I break a wire, I can buy a wire or something like that. So thank you, everybody. <clears throat> a fill the issues guy avatar. Yes. If I can get a fill the issues guy avatar, there's at least enough hours of footage of me babbling on screen somewhere that that I could probably have enough 
foundation footage that one day if the technology catches up, you won't have to look at my 300-year-old Melisandre look doing this podcast. I can produce what me in this in this time period looks like. Excuse me. But that that's weird sci-fi bullshit. Speaking of weird sci-fi bullshit. <laughs> no, but the final topic that I want to talk about today, and I'm also going to be bringing back up Star Trek. So if anyone has anything they want to talk about, Orville, Star Trek Discovery, or any random Star Trek topics, feel free to talk about it right now sort of a free-form end of this show. I don't know why I have to celebrate it, like, say, everybody, welcome to the free-form section. Here's Joe Dirty Locks. <laughs> but I want to just babble about a couple of things. First thing I want to mention, I didn't just bring up the Sopranos technical difficulties thing for any particular reason, because I do want to mention a show that I'm watching right now. I'm only four or five episodes into it, but I've started to watch the new season of The Punisher. Now, The Punisher, if you haven't watched season one, it's in that, in The Punisher, this is our third series that we've seen him show up in. Showed up in Daredevil season two, his own single season, and now Punisher season season two. So far, I will say this about it. Storyline, I'm maybe not bouncing on it immediately, but there's something fucking amazing about John John Barenthal playing The Punisher. It's one of those characters that he fits it like a glove. Even, and I know there are detractors of these Netflix series, the 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 uh, the Marvel Netflix series. There's some people that really love them, the good parts of them. People like people like myself. I, I'm a I'm kind of a fanboy of them. But there's some people that are haters of it, and there's some people that are right and are right in the middle. That some are great, some are bad. Uh, so there are good po- points and bad points in these series. But I would say minus one glaring exception i would say for the most part no i would say altogether except for the one glaring exception the casting on these series has been so fucking spot on i think they got the perfect guy that played daredevil he is daredevil charlie cox uh luke cage is luke cage that actor is amazing in that role jessica jones she is incredible incredible as Jessica Jones. Even if you don't like the series, her playing that character, it's just like fits like a fucking glove. Wilson Fisk, he, again, I'm going to repeat myself. I'm sound like a bro. Phil's a bro. And I am a broken record. Wilson Fisk. He, he is Wilson Fisk. John Barenthal is the fucking Punisher. He kills it in this role. And even if I'm not a hundred percent invested in what the storyline is yet. And I, again, I'm real early on. He is engaging on screen to watch. He kills it in this role. He's he he feels like the Punisher, and it's the series sets up a way that I don't know if I root for him. It's got a couple of annoying characters this season, but I don't know if I root for the Punisher. But I know he is the fucking Punisher, and and I can see this going in crazy directions. So I'm fu- I'm excited for the remainder of this season and to see where it goes. Am I feeling as much as I felt season one right off the bat? No, not necessarily, but these series take time to get going, so I'll see in the direction that it's going. I watched episode one, probably will finish it over the weekend. It yeah, it was fun. Any new show recommendations? I mentioned this before, and I've and it's kind of a show that I've uh <laughs> weird science. Boop, boop. Uh, any new show recommendations? Uh, there's a couple of cool shows on Netflix I would recommend. Uh, 
obviously I've mentioned it a couple of times today and I know you're in on it. True Detective season season two, season three. Ah, uh, you on Netflix, which was actually a lifetime show. If you like if if you watch especially if you watch Gossip Girl, <laughs> if you're at all partial to Gossip Girl, I know I'm I'm selling this show big. Last three or four podcasts, I think I've mentioned it. It wasn't great. It's cheesy as shit at times, but it was a fun fucking watch. I had a lot of fun watching that. Uh, Punisher just came out. It was really cool. If you haven't watched Haunting at Hill House, I thought that was fun. I'm, I know I'm just mentioning Netflix ones. The Tick on Amazon. If you like The Tick, I've just caught up with that. It's fucking great. Fucking great. Fucking great. Um, let's see what else. Uh, Sabrina. The New Adventures of Sabrina is darkly entertaining. So there's a couple. Bandersnatch. Was I the only one who seemed to pick the wrong thing every time on Bandersnatch? I definitely picked the first pothole on that. People, let me know in the live chat or in the comment section if you guys would like to do a Choose Your Own Adventure book on the show here. I think I might do that. I'm going to buy a Choose Your Own Adventure book or two and we're going to do it live. on. Or if someone, if people would like to do that, we're going to do it live on the air. I'll figure out a fun way of doing it where read it in voices, you know, maybe get a guest here to play with or we can do, we can play on the audience, play with the audience. I can play with the audience. Oh yeah. We'll find a way to play. So let's continue down here. Uh, I saw a trailer. I saw uh wait until Joe finds out the Karen makes <laughs> wait until Joe fi finds out the Karen makes appearance. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thanks. I will test it out. Has any, we got Katie Kova in the live chat. Anyone seen glass yet? I heard mixed reviews. I've also heard mixed reviews and I'm very excited to see that movie. I, I was a huge fan of Unbreakable and I didn't see the second movie. So I guess I should see the second movie too before I see the third movie. But being a, but I just was a good big fan of Unbreakable, especially Sam Jackson's performance in that movie. So to see a movie centered around him is what I, I'm at least thinking it's going to be because it's called Glass or at least seeing him play that character again. I'm very excited for it. Uh, I'm trying more and more not to, especially with movies, listen too much to to some kinds of reviews but they're the reviewers that I trust even within them it's mixed so I'm I have I have strange I have a strange anticipation to see it I'm trying to be as unhyped as possible but I am very excited for it because not that I'm a huge fan of Shamanamanamana I'm a huge fan of Unbreakable and Sam Jackson's performance in that because because Sam Jackson's one of those guys that I think he's like truly a great actor, but he's also one of those actors that can easily fall into his shtick and his shtick is so fucking entertaining. There's so many actors like this. I think Al Pacino is a different, is another example of this same thing. Al Pacino somewhere along the way around the time of doing the movie scent of a woman developed a shtick. I mean, he always had kind of a shtick, but really in scent of a woman, I think was the point. Hoo ah, hoo ah. This thing, this sort of thing. Then he just used that character in a lot of movies. Devil's Advocates, a version of that character. You could look at it that way. Uh, Righteous Kill. Uh, I can keep going on Al Pacino performances post Scent of a Woman. And I would say Sam Jackson has a little bit of that in him too, where 
he the Sam Jackson character is so goddamn entertaining that can be Sam Jackson in almost any movie and you're like, oh fuck it, he's amazing. That to see him work and do a movie like that movie Hobo what was that movie? Hobo something hobo with him and Christina Ricci or or uh, Unbreakable or that I could I could go down the list if I had an IMDB in front of me of of some of his uh more a time to kill, like some of his more acty performances. He has so many gears as an actor, but because he does that thing that people love so much, me being one of them, get these motherfucking snakes off these motherfucking planes. You know, that fucking shit. It's like me with motherfucker. I mean, I like say it in every other word. I could do a podcast where I elicited no, no bad words. And I just spoke very attempted to speak eloquently. I couldn't pronounce the words, but I just mean I can not swear, just be whatever. But I like doing it and I feel have fun doing it. And I, at least there's one or two people that enjoy hearing me say, mo- saying motherfucking chat. But with Sam Jackson, it's, like I'm not comparing myself to Sam Jackson. I'm just saying people do a thing and you do a shtick and you can get lost in it sometimes. And I think it's more a case with an actors, with actors and actors, Sam Jackson, it does that shtick. So the glass roll is something very different. So yeah. So it, that's a long way of saying I'm excited to see him play a different kind of character again. Boom, boom. I was thinking about doing something with something with a Halloween creepy pasta. Oh, nice. I'd be down for that. Awesome. Cool. I, I, I want to get a couple of choose your own adventure books and then have some fun. I, it was something I wanted to do even before Bandersnatch came out and that's made me want to do it even more. So, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Glass. They probably waited too long. It feels desperate now. Dwarf. I'm, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you on that. It seemed like I, it's not so much. It's desperate. I think the truth of the matter is M night Shamanama had that big rise and then he fell out so much after signs. I think signs was his last like big movie before he disappeared for a while. There was one year where there's a, some weird piece of trivia where M night Shyamalan wrote like the best movie, the best comedy and the best drama that won the Oscars or something like Stuart little and in the sixth sense, the same year, like he wrote, I may be making this up, but someone, uh, Someone fact check me on this in the comment section after the fact. I think it was Stuart Little, but it might have been. No, it was. What fucking movie was it? Fuck. There was some movie that M. Night Shyamala and I. Shamanamanamana. Yeah, and I'm going to keep pronouncing his name like that. Fuck. Fuck all. I got to open up his thing because I got I to gotta see what it is. It's uh, M. Night Shyamala. It's some weird movie that he wrote that I was like, fuck, he wrote this movie when I heard this. Where is it? Is it writer? Kick that writer. Oh, it is Stuart Little. Okay, I was right about that. The same year that he, that, yeah, he won like, he won like uh, best, or it was like nominated in two categories for, for, un, for uh, The Sixth Sense and Stuart Little. Some shit like that. It's weird. But I think it's more akin, more akin to, since he had like that second career burst, he's like, oh, I got to do all my shit now while I'm still, on the top of the, you know, I'm still out there (laughs) before people don't give a shit about me anymore. And what might be a shame is if this movie gets panned, that might, it might just do that. But I don't know. I'm just excited about it to see Sam Jackson play that character again. And it's not a movie I'd go out to the movie theater to see, 
but it is a movie I'm going to watch when it comes on HBO or Netflix or something. Oh, God, my shoulders. Oh, yeah. There we go. Sorry, I need I need to do it. People listen to the audio cast. I need to do a shoulder shrug there. Dun, dun, dun. You has a stalker key key killer vibe to it. I was scared. Yes, it definitely does. I would still eat th- I would still eat that. Deep Blue Sea was shtick parody perfection. Yes. Oh, Blue Book with Littlefinger. Has anyone watched that? Is a blue uh the blue book is that worth checking out? I've definitely seen that. Uh, I've seen the commercials for it while I've been watching Vikings. So I am a little bit uh, eager or in anticipation to check that out. So everybody, let, I guess I'm going to start to wrap things up here. Uh, what do we learn today? We learned that True Detective. Oh, no, I want to go back and talk a little bit more about Star Trek, I guess, before we end. Uh, we learned that True Detective Season 3 is fucking amazing right now. Punisher's on. It's amazing and really fun. Really fun so far. I'm not compelled to binge it right now, but I am going to watch the whole series and have a lot of fun with it. That reminds me of the other thing I wanted to talk about. John Barenthal has been cast in the Sopranos prequel thing that's coming out. I don't know who he's playing, but that was announced last week. So that's the first. There was also somebody else that was announced that I'm blanking on, but it made me think about it because of the Punisher discussion. But it's the first things we've started to hear about this series. So the first words are that uh, we got John Barenthal, which is not a bad thing. There's one moment in Punisher early on in the series where you see the Punisher sitting at home flipping through television channels and kind of scoffing at some stuff while he's flipping channels. Part of me really wanted him to flip to The Walking Dead, whatever season we're in right now, season nine. Be like, oh, God, this sucks. Like to, to see a Negan speech and just, just shrug his head. Oh, my goodness. M. Night was testing genres. Long live Jadzia Dax. What? Uh, Jadzia Dax. Sopranos prequel. It's not good enough to stand on its own. I think it's... I love you, Dev. I think... No. I think it's more of that it's so good that that world was so rich that it deserves more stories set in it. Not necessarily anything that has to do with our characters that we know now in the main series, other than main, main, maybe Junior and some of the side characters of the older folks that we've seen, like early on Polly or something. But I think it doesn't matter. It's not going to be affecting the movie, the series at all. It's going to be kind of its own movie just set in the Sopranos universe. So I don't, I don't think a prequel is necessarily the best way of referring to that, even though it's accurate. K. Rich says Sopranos prequel has failure written all over it. It's very possible. And if it does, we will be out here to talk about it and, and give it shit. It's hard for me to imagine it would because Dave Chase is working on it and he has a high shit standard, but you never can tell. If anyone else was doing it, if David Chase wasn't the one that was actually doing it and someone was like trying to buy the property from him to do it, I would be more apprehensive about it. But the fact that Chase wants to do it gives me hope, I guess. You know, you know what hope, hope is just something disappointed people say first. So let's go. Esri did suck. 
I never warmed up to Esri. There, I think there was maybe one episode she had with Garrick that I didn't mind, but I, I never warmed up to her being a Dax. I don't think she ever warmed herself up to being a Dax. I think that's part of the problem. I think playing indecision is a difficult thing to do on screen because I felt that within her and I just never gave a shit about her character. In stark contrast to Jadzia, who more than almost any other character ever on television, exude confidence. Even with Terry Farrell's moments of cheesy acting in the early half of of Deep Space Nine, an uneven character progression at times. Once she got with Worf and they sort of finally established and really got, I think, what Jadzia was. And I think they got it a little bit before that too. But I think Deep Space Nine... For I'm T minus five seconds before Dwarf Burger says something disparaging about Deep Space Nine. Uh, I think really started getting amazing in season four. Season three, I think, is just as good in its own way. Season two and one are definitely foundation seasons, but season four is when you hit the ground running. And once you had a Klingon on board, it allowed Jadzia to show off her or the Dax understanding and connection through Curzon of the Klingons and it added a different dynamic to Judzia's character but even from the beginning she just exuded she was able to play that the confidence and that understanding of a life form that lived I think it was seven times at that point but I could be wrong on the numbers but Judzia she did and especially because the way her character went out at the end of it doesn't I, I'm I'm done spoil spoiler alert for a 1990s series that if you haven't watched by now you're never gonna fucking watch. <laughs> but anyways, the way Jadzira dies is very unsatisfying. Yes, I think they could have done other they could have had Ducat do numerous things in that moment. And Ducat didn't need to do much more to be an evil fucker. I think she the character died that way because Terry Farrell wanted to be on Becker. Like we can, we can cut this shit sandwich a hundred different ways and it's still going to taste like poop. It, she wanted to be on Becker and yeah. So she left. She wanted to be written off from apparently from what I know. It could be wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong in the comment section, Trek purists. Uh, but so they wrote her off and they, yeah, I think her storyline would have gone a lot different if they, if they, maybe she would have died at the end and they would have given her a different host somewhere in season seven, but perhaps not. Perhaps it would have had a different conclusion. And I always hated that they, we never got Worf getting to confront Dukat after that. But whatever. Let's continue. If it's as good as Saul is. <laughs> Who's going to fuck you, Devin? <laughs> Who's going to play young Polly Walnuts? Nobody. Polly Walnuts is going to play Polly Walnuts. <laughs> now Devin's definitely trolling. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, yeah, yeah. It's as good as better call Saul. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> what a fucking asshole that dwarf burger swamp beard is. Troll. <laughs> And I'm feeding him because he's one of my best friends. <laughs> Love you, Dev. And I don't trust HBO with the Game of Thrones 
sequel disappoint the mob in the least bit we riot that's going to be one of the biggest we're going to talk about that a lot more once we get into game of thrones and i've i have to make excuses to do more game of thrones podcasts so i want to do that on topic i think for good or for bad no series is going to be as harshly judged as the game of game of thrones prequel series when that comes out People are going to want to hate that. <laughs> I'm going to go in to hate that. So I'm not going to hate that. Go very strong on HBO. And if they do that right, or if it feels like a cash grab, if it feels like, oh God, we got to suck Game of Thrones dry until it, till it bursts. We have to make sure every ounce of juice is gone. Judzia did leave shoes way too big to fill. I said that before. I want to say it again. Uh, yes, Judzie and Worf was one of my favorite Trek relationships. I would argue it's one of the best, was one of my favorite romantic relationships ever depicted on screen. I think it does an excellent job at making me care about both characters. It's funny when it needs to be funny. It's not too cheesy. It shows a relationship that isn't perfect, like some television relationships can go to. They never reach that happy point. That episode where the both of them go to Rizar and they're in an argument the whole time. And when she has a party and he yells at her at the wedding episode, all that stuff rings very real to me. And it's very effective. They love each other, yet they have moments of, of where they go crazy on each other. And it's it works, and it's effective, played by two people that have extreme chemistry on screen. That's always one up when you have that on screen. There's a reason why Moonlighting worked. And it's not just because Sybil Shepard is a decent actress and Bruce Willis is a good actor. It's because... It's because both it's because both of them had chemistry on screen and it got depicted on screen while it was there. And that's what made Moonlighting work. It wasn't because either one of them had talent as actresses or actors. It was because they had chemistry. Chemistry can fill in a lot of fucking gaps. If two people get along on screen and you can see that dynamic with them, it fills in a lot of acting bullshit. It's what it's part of what makes it it's part of what makes something work. It's half the battle. And the other half is knowing. People are, with, we know that knowing's half the battle. We learned that from G.I. Joe, Joe, but the other half is chemistry. Ducat's quest line was my biggest disappointment. That final season storyline with Ducat and Kai Wynn, as much as I love Deep Space Nine, that storyline was horse shit. I said it. Horse shit. With all the Par Wraith stuff. Like, I don't... It, they could have done that in a lot cooler way. The way it was depicted in the hike where he goes becomes a Bajoran for a while and then is forced to be blind and all of that. I don't know. I don't think it was the best way for Kai Wynn's character to end and Ducat. I don't think you had a group, the two biggest villains on the series. There were two extremely effective villains. And I would argue the two best villains, two of the top five villains in all of Star Trek, Kai Wynn and Gal Ducat. Gal Ducat maybe arguably being number one with, I know pe some people would say Khan, but, or the Borg as a whole, cause they're one entity. But I would say Dukat's my favorite of all the villains. Okay. Rich Jimmy Osen blues. I love you. Good to see you in your new place. I'm going to rewind and hear the beginning of this cast. Cause true detective is good. I want to hear your thoughts. Hate watching is real. 
The party before the wedding and the test. Yeah, that was great. That whole episode before when they have the party and Judzia has that like Hawaiian guy come in that she's going to like hook up with on the bachelor party. And that's like very clear that she's going to be like banging that guy. And then Worf, uh, Worf's mother-in-law, not mother-in-law, uh, Martok's wife comes in and calls her a, calls her a strumpet <laughs> and she's going to like kill her. Great episode. Could have been a throwaway episode. I also love the whole storyline with the Klingon bachelor party where it's all about torture. <laughs> and they think that they're going to someplace cool. And Jake is Jake is like being all Jake the whole episode. Oh, they're all in a Klingon, Klingon uh, bachelor party. Use your imagination, Kira, after he hears Odo say that. Uh, great shit. Amanda Stewart. This was a nice surprise seeing you after I got home from work. Amanda Stewart, I'm so excited to be able to be out here to babble to you. I'm wrapping things up right now, but it's been a very fun podcast. I'm excited to be able to talk to you this afternoon. I'm also excited, as I said, to have my new job kind of set in so I can, now I can get more into a schedule and get into the flow and get a little bit more of a rhythm going in the podcast. As I know, since I've been in the new area, it's been hard to get going and feel feel like 100% uh banging to come out here and do a podcast but i'm excited now to really over now between now and april do as much as we can leading up to this final season of game of thrones on as many shows and movies and games and silly topics as we can because as much as i love talking about certain shows and certain certain topics when i get to do this and just shut it all off i'm not reading anything i'm not talking you guys are throwing out comments and questions and sending me off into different directions this is probably my favorite thing to do and the closest thing to my old issues program radio show minus playing some songs here and there so this is the fun stuff kylo and ray no chemistry more like brother and sister they should have just killed ducat off they should have let they should have let uh garrick in Worf work together somehow to kill Ducat. I'm sorry. Get get all fanboy on me and I mean get all fan service on me. I don't care. They didn't know what to do with them as the show moved away from Bajor to Dominion War. Uh, I agree with you, Dworkin. Patriots are gonna go to their ninth Super Bowl. Tom Brady, number twelve, is the greatest, says Jay. Gotta go, Phil. In the live motherfucking chat. I got to go as well. Live motherfucking chat. Those two games were so good. They could have been scripted. I agree. If not. I don't talk about sports too much here. And I know because it's not everyone's cup of poop. But if you're a fan of professional American football. NFL football. You couldn't have scripted two better football games yesterday. They were both a lot of shitload of fun. The Patriots game especially was a hot attacker. A fucking heart attacker, dude. And uh, it's going to be a fun... It's going to be fun. As my voice cracked, when it's time to change. And you rearrange. <laughs> but if you... If you like if you like football, both those games were fucking awesome and a lot of fun to watch, regardless of what the outcomes were. Even if the Patriots has lost this game as... I like the Patriots being around Boston, but they're not my favorite of all the fo NFL football teams because of, Bo I've said it many times, but because of Bo Jackson and Tecmo Bowl, I am a Raider fan. That's true. That's right. I'm a Raider fan. But considering that the Raiders and the Chiefs are arch rivals, I I was cheering, I was extra fuel to root for the Patriots. So, uh, so I was invested more than the average Patriots game for me as well, too. So uh, that was a lot of fun last night and part, or, part of the reason why I got drunk because 
it was it was so stressful of a football game it made me go drunk i felt like i was watching a game of thrones episode it, it felt like that there were so many twists and turns character deaths and weird sex position going on i felt i felt excited in a lot of different directions and fun game Looking forward to the Super Bowl because I'm hoping we're going to have a Game of Thrones trailer on the Super Bowl. And literally the minute we get that Game of Thrones commercial trailer, if we get it, I'm going to run downstairs and do a podcast. I'm, I'd love to be able to do a live reaction. Maybe I will like see it come on and I'll go, I can't watch this. Run downstairs and do a live reaction of it live on Super Bowl Sunday if we get it or watch it on the big TV and then come down and break it down and do a secondary reaction here on the show. So, So everybody... That game was stressful. I couldn't go to bed. I was so wired. The ref stole the game from the Saints. I got to say that. I don't usually subscribe to refs stealing calls, except for against the Raiders in the Tuck Bowl game against Brady. Cheater. I'm kidding. I will always be bitter about that snowball Tuck game. But I got to say, truthful and uh, truthfully speaking, the, the Saints got jobbed in that game. They did. They did. They got fucking jobbed. That was a penalty. Should have been a penalty. Easily. That's a lot of bullshit. They got they got they got jobbed. Weird sex positions. Now you're talking sexy, Phil. <laughs> That's a different podcast altogether. That's Uncle Phil's Ketchup Couch. Tune in late night. <laughs> oh, oh you 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 make you make me blush. Thank you so much. <laughs> Everybody, if you haven't already, you enjoyed this video, enjoyed this podcast, please hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button. Share my channel with a friend. Please help us grow. Help us push. Push it away. I want to thank everyone in the live motherfucking chat that's there today, this afternoon. Alicia, Amanda, D, Dwarfberger, Icy Fury, K, Rich, SM Down, and all the folks that have were with us earlier today. You guys are awesome. I will be back next on Wednesday evening, pending I don't have to get up super early on Thursday morning, either Wednesday evening or Thursday afternoon to talk the second to last episode of season five of Vikings. Should be a fun episode, so if you want to check that out. Then my next time live after that will be on Sunday, unless I come up for a surprise, but next time live will be on Sunday with Joe Dirty Locks. Not sure what we're doing. Maybe I'll invite Joe over to catch up on some True Detective so we can watch it live. Maybe Joe can steal it and catch up live. Maybe I can figure out a way to let Joe enjoy True Detective too. Alicia. Alisa. Alicia. Ah, Alicia. Can't talk today. Great to have you. Great to see you again. Lots of love to you, AK. Amanda. K. Rich. Mwah. Jordy, thanks for popping in in. Dwarky, come over here at some point soon so I can beat your ass in Smash Brothers. You know it's coming. Oh, the beatdown's happening. Oh, baby. I'll talk to you guys next time. Let me get over. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. The show's over. Oh, no. We got to stop this stuff. If you haven't already, please check out our patron support. If you want to listen to an extra podcast a month and some extra fun, do that. If you shop on Amazon at all. Start all your Amazon shopping with this link right here. It helps the channel out a little bit and all the other ways to help the channel you can find out in the description box below. One more time. Talk to you guys next time. If you're listening to the audio cast, comment. Give us some iTunes ratings. Love you guys. Next time. Peace.